welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review so others can find the show too. My guest today is Aaron Esser. Aaron is with WSU Extension in Lincoln and Adams Counties. He has been with WSU for 25 years. In conjunction with his traditional extension program, he has served as chair for the WSU Wilkie Farm Management Committee for the last 12 years. The WSU Wilkie Research and Extension Farm is a 340-acre facility on the eastern edge of Davenport, Washington, in the intermediate rainfall zone. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Drew. So I know you have a long-term history uh, comparing the different large-scale crop rotations on the Wilkie Farm. Can you talk a little bit about what happened in 2022 in these rotations? Um, yeah, thanks. Um, you know, as you go through and look at the farm, we have the large-scale rotation um, fields. These are about 25 to 30-acre fields. And when you go through half of them or on the south side of the road, we have the four-year rotation, which is summer fallow, winter wheat, broadleaf crop, and spring cereal. That's kind of a little bit more intensive. And we compare it to our three-year rotation, which is what farmers traditionally have done around the around the region. And that is just summer fallow, winter wheat, and a spring cereal. So we're stretching that out a little bit. And then on the um, north side of the farm, we have the continuous crop rotation, where we forgo summer fallow, and we just continuously crop it each and every year. And we've been have we've had this run in now um, in its current format since 2004. So 19 years that we've been comparing the three verse four, and then um, uh, the continuous crop rotation. Um, when you go back and look at it, you know it's kind of interesting. And you know I I have a hard time talking about 2022 without. I mean, it really started with happened in 2021, and I call it going from taking, going from lemons to lemonade because 21 we were really dealt lemons, um, bad production, um, hot, dry, miserable yields were well below average, but then in 2022 we took what happened in 21 and really turned that into lemonades in 2020 in 2022. You know, when you go back and look and our um, nitrogen use efficiency this year, which is a number I encourage each and every grower to keep track of. In a lot of instances, I feel it's more important than actual bushels per acre because nitrogen is such a big part of the whole farming operation, the overall profitability. When you go back and look this year, the nitrogen use efficiency was 53 to 60% on our winter wheat following summer fallow. It was 50 to 60% on our recrop winter wheat. We, we changed up some stuff and went with a lot more recrop winter wheat I'll talk a little bit about. And then our dark northern spring wheat this year, um, we were at 41% nitrogen use efficiency. Still not bad given the conditions we had this, this summer and stuff and with what happened with some of the, some of the um, areas around. The winter wheat on fallow, our average um, yield was 78 to 91 bushels per acre. The continuous winter wheat which went back onto canola ground, 
um, plant recrop back on the canola ground was 52 to 68 bushel an acre. The 68 bushel was on a field of a failed canola crop from 2021. So the 21 Delta Salemon, we turned it into 68 bushel recrop when we in 22. And so that was kind of part of the lemonade story. Our dark northern spring wheat um, went 39 bushel an acre, and our canola was over 1,300 pounds an acre this last year. So we really intensified the amount of cropping, and it really started, you know, the 21 was bad, and then going into the fall of 21, all the supply chains were happening. You know, is there going to be Roundup right, um, available in 2022? What's the price of fertilizer if you can get your hands on it? What's it going to look like in 22? And, you know, all this uncertainty. So that's one of the reasons we made a, a shift and went with a lot more recrop winter wheat instead of spring wheat. And, and when you look at the amount of nitrogen we were packing in the soil, we didn't have to spend a tremendous amount on on nitrogen like like um, some of the individuals had because of the residual fertilizer in the soil and not needing to needing as much. When you go through and just look at the farm, um, overall, I, I don't think my numbers are different than what we experienced across the region for the most part. On average, our cash costs, when I talk about cash costs, we're looking at seed, fertilizer, herbicides, and insurance, crop insurance, we're up over 25% over the last, over our 12 years. And that was the third most expensive crop we've planted since 2010. And I think it would have, if we would have had to buy more fertilizer, it probably would have been our most expensive crop. But because once again, 2021, we didn't use a tremendous amount. Um, we didn't have to apply as much this year. Um, so it really does pay understanding what you have in the soil. And then when you look at the revenue, um, it too was also up. We were up 84% over our 12-year average, and it's the most revenue we've generated on the farm since at least 2010, since we really kept specific details on this. And our economic return over cost was also the greatest we've done in over 12 years. And and I think that was just from pushing the envelope. And I, you know what? In farming, there's so many variables going on, and I, I always talk about the need to have a plan, uh, a one-year plan, five-year plan, 10-year plan, and, and we have a plan, but we have to be flexible in our plan and, and how we go about executing it. And, and I can't say enough on taking that, what happened in 21, and turning it into lemonade in 22. Um, Overall, you know, the whole concept is to look at the three and the four-year rotation and continuous crop rotation. This last year, the three-year rotation generated $219 an acre return over cost. And when I talk about cost, I'm only looking at, once again, the seed, fertilizer, herbicide, and insurance cost. I'm not looking at any fixed cost or anything else in the operations, just those four things, because the fixed costs are so different from one farm to the next. But my return over cost on the three-year rotation is $219. The four-year rotation, we're at $293. And the continuous rotation, we were at $215 an acre. And when you go back and look at, I don't like looking at specific years, but when you look at it over the three years, a three-year average, um, that three-year rotation is $151 an acre on average. The four-year rotation is $189 an acre. 
and the continuous rotation is $179 um, an acre. And when you go look at how, it, when we started this program back in 2004, the three-year rotation was always the most profitable. And then the three and the four-year kind of got closer and the continuous was lagging behind. We've made some changes with the continuous rotation. It used to be just cereals, and now we've allowed canola to come into it and, and some other things. And over the last five, six, seven years, the three-year rotation is really starting to lag behind. So I think we're really showing growers that consistently in that inter intermediate rainfall zone, you can stretch your rotation out, throw a broadleaf in there, and, re and really not suffer on the profitability, actually benefit your profitability. And, and the one thing I will say, too, is it's much easier to control the weeds in that continuous crop rotation and in the four-year rotation than what we have in the three-year rotation. Okay. That, that's rather surprising given how dry 2021 was that the, the rotations without fallow or the rotation without fallow actually performed as well or better than the rotations with fallow. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that. Well, at 21, we were dealt lemonade or um, the lemons because um, one of the um, canola crops actually froze. And so it was removed. And then we put recrop winter wheat over the top of it. We didn't have to fertilize that crop, the recrop winter wheat, both starter fertilizer. So we didn't have a tremendous amount of expense into it. And so we, that's, a big portion of it, and it led to 68 bushel recrop or continuous winter wheat. Okay. Very good. So uh, I know the Wilkie Farm is kind of set up for uh, on-farm kind of research. Um, so you've talked about the rotational work. What are some a few of the highlights uh, from some other research that's been conducted at the Wilkie Farm? You're right. Um, that's, you know, still the primary focus with the facility is – providing a spot for research. Um, when you go look at 2022, you know, I have to go through the FSA um, certification and stuff with the farm, just like farmers do. And I certified 22 acres of research on the farm this last year, most of that being in winter crops, but about five acres of it was in spring crops as well. And when you look at it, we had 12 different, I think I counted up maybe 12 different projects and nine different um researchers who had projects on the farm in 2022. Just kind of a quick rundown of some of the key ones. You know, Aaron Carter keeps his winter, um, winter wheat breeding plots up there, kind of for our intermediate um, cropping zone. Mike Pumphreys has the aluminum tolerance cultivar evaluation on the farm. You know, the soil acidity is a big issue across the region. We're looking at varieties that do well in more of an acidic soil. Um, Ian Burke and your, yourself have the plots and, and focused on herbicide evaluation and, and long-term weed control. And then we, you know, those are some of the basics that kind of continue on the farm. But then we also have some stuff I call swinging for the fences, and we'll see what happens. Um, Garrett Heineck from USDA RS um, put in a long-term study looking at Kernza on the farm. So we're going to look at that for five years and look at the feasibility of Kernza and see if we can have an opportunity to maybe fit that into some form of a perennial cropping system on the farm. Okay. Uh, I'll, can you, for our listeners who might not know what Kernza is, can you tell us what that is? 
didn't Garrett talk about that on one of your podcasts? You may have to go reference it. <laughs> um, he just asked me if he could put kerns on the ground, and I said, absolutely. It, it's a it's very similar. It's a small grain that they're using um, for flour in a lot of instances or even in beverages, um, alcoholic beverages as well. And I, I think from what I've read with it is they take that flour and blend it with wheat flour to make to make a flour and stuff. Um and it's also a perennial crop. Okay. So I think that's the big change the up. The big change is, I, you know, trying to figure out how to get a perennial into a cropping system around here. Yeah. And, you know, from a weed, weed management standpoint, being able to move a perennial crop in and out of a rotation can be very beneficial because the weeds in perennial systems tend to be different than the weeds in annual systems. I, and that's... That's one of the reasons when he asked me about putting the trial out there, I said, absolutely, let's put it right here. And it's a three-year or a five-year commitment to put, oh, it, okay. put it on the farm. Um, and the other one, you know, Isaac Matson, he's talked on your podcast about Piola. We've had and hosted one of his Piola trials on the farm. You know, and that's another one kind of swinging for the fences. Um, when I go back though and just look at trials and, and research this, this year, I always kind of look at that one thing that really caught my eye. And Ian Burke has a large study with compost on the farm. He had some extra compost, so I put out some small um, plots with compost and without compost. And when I harvested them this year, it was in recrop winter wheat where we had no compost. It went a little over 50 bushel an acre where we put the compost on the ground uh, a couple years ago, um, that wheat was 70, a little over 70 bushels. We saw a significant increase in yield, and it really just showed, you know, what our yield potential can be um, if we can do some different things with, with soil and soil health and, and maybe moving the needle more in that way. Okay. What, what, do you know what kind of compost it was? Um, it's the stuff from Bartek. Cha-ching. Okay. <laughs> I'll throw him a plug. Um, and... So that's one of the things I want to look at a little bit more and almost work it backwards and find out what happened. We did nothing else different with the ground. Um, looking at my numbers, I don't think it's um, nitrogen-related. It may be some other nutrients-related, and, and that gives us something to dig into and find out. But um, it's pretty exciting to see what type of yield potential we actually have out there. All right. So um, what about uh, this coming year? Anything new happening in the— at the Wilkie Farm? I'm going to run run through a little bit on the larger plots first. Okay. Um, you know, those I talked about the small plots. We also have six large-scale plots that have continued. Um, these are multi-year studies, um, and we have have those. And the one of them that sticks out, we established in 2014, is the value of incorporating spring canola, chickpeas, in a cereal grain rotation. And we, we, the treatments are we use chickpeas. Um, we've been using billy beans. We use canola, spring canola, Roundup Ready canola. And then we have spring wheat. And then we seed recrop winter wheat over the top of that. Then we seed it to spring wheat the following year. And then the fourth year, we come back and put chickpeas back on chickpeas, canola back on canola, spring wheat back on spring wheat. And we're continuing that. We've gone through two full cycles, and we're starting the third cycle on it. Um, and it's kind of interesting when you start looking at it. You know, overall, chickpeas have been favorable. Um, Yield-wise, there's not much difference between canola and chickpeas. 
um, the recrop winter wheat following chickpeas will do better. Um, following wheat, it's always the significantly the least amount. And then when you break it down, um, it really comes down to the price differential between canola and chickpeas. And that's one of the things I really want to do with this work is develop that matrix. So if chickpeas are 28 cents a pound, the billy beans are 28 cents a pound, what type of canola contract or price do you need to be equal to or significantly better than, than chickpeas? Um, one of the things that has been unique with it is, um, you know, I still like the weed control aspects with the canola over the chickpeas. Um, and so that's been one of the, the things, even though economically chickpeas have been a little bit better, but they also provide a little bit more headache on the weed control side of things. All right. So 2023, anything new coming? Um, yes. You know, on the, on the farm, um, on the large rotation, there's not a lot, but um, research-wise, we have two large projects that are starting up on the, on the farm. Um, we're working with the um, cropping systems and extension portion of the USDA ARS um, Pacific Northwest Herbicide Resistance Initiative. Um, so I'm happy to get started on that and moving forward with that and working with Ian Burke and his team and, and yourself on, on that. And then we're also doing the Washington State Soil Health Initiative. Um, the Wilkie Farm was selected as one of the LTAR sites. The, I think it's long-term agroecological research and extension site with Dr. Haley Neely. And um, we're bringing on Sh um, Shakika Singh um, to work on soil health issues on the, on the farm. So I'm really excited to see where that's going to go. We're even looking at cover crops and grazing cover crops as one of these, you know, potential swinging for the fences in, into the future. All right. So some interesting new things getting started and something. Scary things, Drew. <laughs> I said cows or yeah. livestock. Yes. Yes. That, that adds a new <laughs> level of challenge to your operations. Absolutely. But, but, uh, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, and I call it truly swinging for the fences. Do I think what we're going to roll out is what a farmer might roll out? I highly doubt it, but maybe we can find something that, you know, down the line will be feasible for growers in the across the region. All right. Yeah, I'll be I'll be very interested to see how that that works out. So, um, how can listeners uh, get more information about the Wilkie Farm Research and Extension Farm? Is there a place they can go to to read about what you're doing? Anything, most of the stuff that's pertinent to the farm, I, I do keep on the small grains website. I publish the the um, results, um, agronomic and economic um, um, productivity from the farm every year. I run it through a peer reviewed publication process, and and that's available on the small grains website. We're having our field day this year on June 29th. That's a Thursday, June 29th. Um, and that'll be a great place to come see what we're doing, visit with other growers, visit with the researchers, and maybe provided a little bit of input of what we need to be looking at into the future. All right. Thanks for an update on the uh, Wilkie Research and Extension Farm, uh, Aaron. As always, appreciate hearing what's going on at that site. Um, let's uh, have you back again next year to talk about it uh, and what new things you're learning. Thank you. And hopefully you can keep some lemonade coming along. <laughs> Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. 
If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear in future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon, that's L-Y-O-N, at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications and the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.